0: Hello and welcome to Unmuted Unmastered. I'm Will and this is the internet's liveliest music podcast. On the show this week I'm joined by James. Hello all. And Tom. Hello. In this episode we're reviewing the new album by Fred again. We've got the upcoming releases you need to know about, but first, the news. Tom, what have you got for us this week? In the news this week, it
1: is the second week of November, and if you're in the UK, that means one thing, the Christmas adverts are coming out. Oh no, what are we going to do? Fear not, Christmas adverts are on their way, Um, all the major supermarkets in the UK and some big retailers will release uh, special adverts to make you feel all warm and gooey for Christmas coming up. I've picked out a little story here which comes from Music Week uh, which picks on the way that a certain band which has just announced a comeback is going to benefit quite a bit from this uh, Christmas season coming up. Blink-182 have features in John Lewis's Christmas advert known as The Beginner um, which is a story of this bloke what is learning to uh, skateboard again in time for Christmas. Um, a cover of... It was all small things, wasn't it? I think it was.
0: I haven't heard this yet. That's ridiculous if true. Is it's it true. like a sad John Lewis Christmas cover of all the small things?
1: Yeah. No, 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 no. It, it it literally is, you know. Da 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 da. It is it is literally that. Um so yeah, number 1 surprise, Blink 182 um one of the, one of their songs appears in john lewis advert they didn't do it it's not the original version it's a cover um, and i can't remember who's covered it lowly young it might have been no sorry she did last year's christmas advert anyway that song was released in 1999 music week have picked up on the fact that because the song a cover of the song's been featured in the advert blink 182 on their comeback after announcing a big tour next year are gonna be pocket a little bit of money from this hypnosis who are a uh, song ownership firm uh, you can buy stocks and shares in them in the london stock exchange they own all of the rights to the song itself they own 100% of that they also own 33% of the writing shares for that song because a couple of years ago i didn't realize this they bought um, they bought tom delong's um, entire music catalog so, they've bought all the Blink 182 stuff off of Tom DeLong uh, back in January 2020. That happened. So, they're going to pocket quite a bit from this deal. Cobalt is the other company that's involved. We've mentioned Cobalt before um, in relation to. Uh, Where did we mention it? AWOL, boring, boring businesses buying other businesses. Um, but Cobalt on um, the back catalogs for Traffic Sparker and for Mark Hoppus, the other two members of Blink 182. So there you go—a slightly different perspective on the John Lewis advert. Spare a thought this Christmas, not for uh, the children or for the um, dad's learning to skateboard. Spare a thought for the old-time rock musicians who are going to get a bob or two from someone doing cover of their song for the Christmas advert. Uh, Blink One Eight Two are going to earn big from the John Lewis Christmas advert this year.
2: That's not something I expected to hear. Um, That's my first time hearing it, but. I'm excited to watch it, even though I never watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: this is the thing. I kind of, because of my job, um, I checked LinkedIn the entire time. And then suddenly polls started to appear. Of, it's Christmas advert time. Which one do you think was best? Audi, Sainsbury's, uh, Lidl, Asda. And I went, well, I haven't watched any of them. They came out like 12 hours ago. <laughs> I just, it's a bit of an echo chamber working in advertising. Um, no, actually, no, I don't even work in advertising. It's just in marketing, but... Yeah, the the answer is John Lewis because they clearly have the best choice in songs.
0: I really feel like they they missed a trick on the the choice of Blink one eight one eight two song because they could have had such classic lyrics like um, "I'll never talk to you again unless unless your dad will suck me off." Yeah, or,
2: <laughs> can you imagine John Lewis uh, doing that? <laughs>
0: From from the same song, it's Labor Day and my grandpa just ate seven effing hot
2: dogs. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, they the usually biggest. just changed Labor Day to Christmas Day. And changed hot dogs well, to song, pigs and blankets. The song
0: talks about, about <laughs> Christmas so they could have used their, their Christmas song. They could have uh, you could darkness. have lyrics like, he wants to bone, this I know, she is ready to blow. Why not have that in your Christmas advert, you cowards, John Lewis?
2: (laughs) Yeah, John Lewis, not very courageous or clever, are you? I'm not even sure if we want that in our podcast.
1: (laughs) What we really need in our Christmas adverts this year is a mild smut. That's exactly what we need.
2: (laughs) What do you want for Christmas, son?
0: (laughs) Ironically, that song is called Mutt, so it's almost there, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Miracle geniuses, those boys. We've been lost without them.
1: Oh my...
0: Right, let's get on to our review for this week. We're looking at Actual Life Three, January first to September the twenty twenty-two, by Fred again. And does it bother anyone else that he's an English artist and he's used American dates?
1: Yes, I didn't. Even I think didn't about that. that until you. I didn't notice that until you said it, and now
0: I hate it. Why? Uh, it's Fred again's third album in his Actual Life series. It's thirteen tracks long. Forty minutes and forty-one seconds released on the twenty eighth of October twenty twenty-two under license to Warner Music. So let's get straight into general thoughts. James, what do you think?
2: Yeah, um, disclaimer for this week. Uh my left ear kind of just uh I'm pretty much deaf in it this week, so excuse me if I've uh missed some intricacies from the album. But anyway, um yeah, this was my first time hearing about his this three album concept. Um, I love the concept, I love the execution, and I love how the uh, the songs are named after the contributing artists, um, and then the, the actual song names are in brackets. Um, that was really cool, and I I feel like it's a it's not a true passion project, but it doesn't it doesn't lack at all. Um, you can really hear his talent coming through the music. Um, I saw an interview he a clip of an interview he was doing with Saint Lowe and he was on his um thinking doing the doing the music doing the Machina. music um, yeah exactly um <laughs> and thinking and yeah it was just <laughs> really cool um i really enjoyed the album and I, like i said i i love the concept and everything um the only thing i have with it and I, i'm don't really want to call this a negative, but it's like it was done so well, but there's nothing that really jumped out. Maybe that's just my untrained ear on this kind of music. Um and I feel like I'm not really qualified to review it this week. Um because of that. But it's just like I like, oh this sounds good. Next track, this sounds really good. Next track, this sounds really good. Um mm-hmm. something just in nothing really jumped out to me but I'm sure for other people it will do um but saying that yeah I, I I also really enjoyed sorry the the like random clips of um just like normal life and people speaking and everything that was really cool um which kind of goes into the concept but yeah I really enjoyed it listening to this week and listening to the other first two as well that was really cool are you going to be our mono-mix
0: checker now, James? <laughs> yeah. How, how the albums sound.
2: <laughs> well, I, mean,
0: I, mean, I mean,
1: number one, is your hearing actually all right? Like, is it going to return? Oh,
2: it'll be fine. Don't worry. Right, okay. Just blocked. I
1: believe you, sure.
2: Right, Tom, general thoughts?
1: Mm. Bad news, I'm afraid. I uh, don't like it when albums commit cardinal sins and this has done pretty much all of the cardinal sins for EDM in my mind. It also doesn't help I'm not much of an EDM fan, although I am more to the Chemical Brothers, Um, but that's not really a yardstick for this. Um, Where to begin here? I like the fact that each track is a collaboration and they all appear to be named, if not directly, then in some way in reference to the singer or the collaborator on the track, I find it very sad that none of them really have a space to shine um, because all of it does the typical EDM thing of sample one or two lines which say something and nothing at all. Uh, and then cherry pick different vocals to make new melody lines out of that i found that quite upsetting and frustrating there were a couple of exceptions to that which we'll come on to and i'll mention but i felt that all of singers were really underutilized here number two is the well actual life free first of january to 9th september 2022 yes i know i'm saying the dates the wrong way around uh in his world (sighs) I just kind of get the sense that these were just like 13 singles, it was just 13 good demos that were sort of stuffed together on an album. Maybe that's the idea, but I don't think it's doing anything as an album. I don't see any progression. I don't see any um, growth. I don't see any story, which I know I bang on about in other albums, but it's because I think an album is a place to make a point and this doesn't make a point at all. Uh, Inherently... I like the tracks. They're all well produced. There are moments of um, sort of early 2000s. Well, you can probably describe it a lot better than I can, but lots of um, trap and not really acid, but sort of little... It's got a really classic style to it. I can hear lots of good influences. It's really nice and warm. All of the electronic sounds don't feel harsh. They feel organic. It's really nicely done but that's the only dimension it's got. It's it, it, it's very flat when it could have been 3D. And yeah, the, I mean, the other thing which we will come on to is that within 30 seconds of the album starting, there was an air horn and I kind of thought, oh no, <laughs> what have I walked into here? And I was right um, to be suspicious. I'm afraid I wasn't a fan of this at all. Not necessarily because it's a bad album, but because I think it's an album that should have been 13 singles and would have worked far better as 13 singles. Uh, well apart from track one and the track 13 because they are 11 seconds and 14 seconds respectively they're probably not very good but the rest of them are pretty good it's just i don't think they constituted an album uh so yeah i'm fairly negative today and if (laughs) i sound like a broken record it's because i'm a grumpy old man
0: i think kind of even putting this album to one side i think fred again is going to be an important part of this year musically for i mean certainly for me and i think in general for the music landscape Um, obviously he's had big singles, his single with, uh, high and Romy lights out was a big hit. He's done tracks with I Jordan. He did one with Swedish house mafia. Like he, I mean, obviously he was quite, quite big in kind of the dance music scene, but it's really been this year with, I mean, now he was, he was in, was it one of the big American papers like the New York times or, or one of those, I think had an article about him recently, obviously this Zane Lowe interview. I think the big kind of crux of it's been was his boiler room set which I don't know if I talked about I think I talked about when we were doing the forwards festival review but that's really I think the one of the big moments of the year that boiler room set was incredible and it was just kind of this this big moment in the same way that you know Taylor Swift or Kendrick Lamar album releases are seen by their kind of fandoms I think for for dance music this this boiler room DJ set was was a real moment I think kind of the key things are these actual life albums aren't kind of, they're not really kind of deep pieces of work. It's not kind of like a floating points album that feels like it's been crafted meticulously, although there's obviously a huge amount of craft that goes into it. It's more focusing on the kind of the general feelings and him getting down his kind of, general mood and and trying to convey that through song i think um getting to the actual album i think it's quite similar i think to the previous two where i feel like it's not hugely consistent on a track to track basis i think it works better as a whole album i think it kind of it rises the tide and and the it kind of brings up all of the other songs that they're kind of in the context of the emotion of, of listening through to the whole thing. I think that it works on that level, but for me, it it really centers around kind of the poles of the big tracks on this album. And, and I mean, we'll get into it, but Delilah and Danielle, uh, are the two, for me, big standouts that are way kind of above everything else. Um, I think also for me, it's kind of suffers from the fact that it's the third actual life album in the last two years. um, and and he's even been doing other stuff right i said all of those singles none of those are on this album he did his album with heady one gang which i really liked a few years ago as well like he's been releasing music at a ridiculous pace i feel like this suffers from there just being a lot of fred again music out recently where there are songs that sound similar to ones on previous albums and the Sonic palette's already kind of been explored a lot, and I feel like a lot of the songs bring back motifs. I mean, some of them literally bring back samples from previous albums. So there are kind of niggling moments for me, and overall it doesn't come together as a as positive as an experience as I've had from him in other formats, whether that's Actual Life 2, I thought was kind of the strongest of the three, his boiler room, seeing him live at forwards kind of everything else I've seen from him is kind of fantastic. And this album, and like you said, James, it is track by track, they're all strong. But I just think more of them needed to take that next step into being great, considering kind of the trajectory he's on. And maybe that's not fair, but that's how I felt coming out of it.
1: On the, um, just a couple of other things for general thoughts that... Uh, American newspaper article, you're right. Well, it was the New York Times uh, and they start with describing him as the the Brian Eno mentored musician. I would have never have guessed that he was mentored by Brian Eno. I would never have any indication of that unless you told me. Maybe that's just listening to this album in isolation, but I would never have guessed that. The other thing is that again something about EDM albums is that for me personally they never quite translate the same way they do live again I've seen Fat Body Slim live I've seen The Chemical Brothers live I've seen um uh, there was one other one I've seen live The Prodigy seeing all of them live and experiencing that in person face to face is very very different to listening to any kind of recording of it which probably det- detracts from any sort of recorded version of any tracks they'll do. So again, this certainly in my mind was not set up to fail, but it was definitely going to be very difficult to uh make a good impression. So again, that probably colours my own thinking on it as well.
0: Right, let's get a bit more in-depth. I'm not gonna go through that opening piece, because it I mean, I don't think there's really anything to say about it, really. Uh the first proper track is Ilar shutters i like i really like the sample in it and i like the emotion kind of behind the tune i think he he really conveys that well my issue with it is that it sounds quite close to a lot of previous tracks and specifically the opening track of actual the first actual life kyle i found you has a very similar sonic palette to it like it it sounds almost like he's kind of taken the same sounds and built something different out of it which I guess in one sense is kind of a, an interesting throwback to the first of the trilogy, but also I just kind of felt like it maybe doesn't have have the same punch as that song did. So it, it's he's kind of almost fighting against himself on this one, where it it's a good song in its own right, but then I'm starting to compare it to his previous stuff, which I think it might be better.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's... I wonder whether this, and again, you could probably say the same thing for the other tracks, certainly from my viewpoint, is that do they all verge on mediocrity because they are that similar to other stuff that he's done, which sounds like a really mean thing to say and it kind of is. The opening, the 11 second opening, I would sort of bolt this in with this track and I kind of like the idea that did want to open like that with a very small, quiet, intimate moment, you lead and I'll follow you. That was really interesting and I went, Okay. Tell me more. And then I heard this really delicate, crisp vocal come in. Uh, I presume the singer was called Isla. Um, it would make sense given the track name. But then it started to be uh, resampled, it started to be chopped up, and you heard like uh, tremolo effects and echoes coming in. And I kind of thought, well, there's a little organic element gone. There's a little trumpet that um, does a really quiet, moody melody line. And it just feels a little bit lost. It feels a little bit out of place. I just wanted this to feel a bit more organic and it didn't. Maybe that's me being uh, genre biased, but again, I saw some brilliant ideas here and I kind of went, oh, we're not going to do something interesting with this. I don't know. I kind of of felt like I heard it all before. Before I'd even started.
2: Well, I I did enjoy this as an opener. Um, I... I did also notice that, like, that emotional undertone when you have this, like, this dance EDM sound, but then, yeah, you got that undertone, which was really cool. Um, I will say it's, like, it's inoffensive. That could be a good thing, but it could also mean, like, there's not much, too much to latch on to grab. There's not something that makes it really stand out. I don't think it's the worst track in the album, but don't think it's don't think it's the best let's get on
0: to delilah pull me out of this um this is one of my favorite songs of the year i think this kind of works in the album's favor and against it in a way because we get to such a high point early on and then for me everything else kind of sits beneath it a bit it just has such a great energy and it builds so well where you get kind of the stab introduced in the the kind of breakdown part and then in the second drop it comes in and you get the that kind of beeping over the top that kind of propels everything forward there's even like crowd noise mixed in which i don't know if it's before or after he did the boiler room because he played this song at it and you know every everyone went crazy so it might be that he went back and maybe fed that back into the original track again which i think is just a really nice touch of kind of giving some reverence to this thing that happened and he's almost kind of like lost control of at this point because people were so crazy about it. I just think top to bottom, this is a, a great tune. And it's one of the the few times for, in the last few years where I before a song's come out, I've had it on repeat, where I've just been on YouTube having to have my phone screen on because I just keep restarting it because you can't get it on streaming services yet. I just think this one, he knocked it out of the park. Um, Yeah, I did enjoy this one, actually. I must
1: admit, this was nice. My only gripe is, again, I was kind of in a position where I thought there was a great singer behind this. Again, uh, I presume it's Delilah. It, I could be completely wrong. I like the fact that... I like the sentiment of it. I like the fact that, again, it started with a spoken word bit and then moved into a full track, but I kind of thought... So the singer's only got one line to show what they can do. um, And that's me coming from a... I was going to say from a traditional pop background. That's not really true. But I just kind of wonder how much of a platform this going to be for the singers rather than just... um. Just a song for the club. I don't know. I kind of felt a little bit lacklustre but i do agree with you the energy was great i really really enjoyed this and i can imagine feeling this and experiencing this in person would be a great great track um and i also noticed again the details that you mentioned the spoken voice bits and the bits of crowd intertwined and nice little touches but yeah again i just kind of feel that the
0: singers were a little bit underused and i feel that's kind of disappointing but maybe that's just me I don't know if it changes your outlook on the album but I mean the big thing with actual life is that he's these are sampled vocals for the most part I think there are there are a few moments across the record where he's doing vocals but for the most part it's not collaborations these are I think this one's just from like an Instagram video of someone like singing a cappella, and he's ripped the audio and put it into a song so it's not not so much a collaboration as it is a kind of, I mean, the dates, I think, are the dates when he found the samples. So yeah, that's kind of the concept, I guess.
1: Perhaps, yeah. It's, um, I don't know whether it makes it better or worse in my mind, honestly. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, if that's true, then it kind of makes a bit more sense, but then again, I still see an opportunity for... I just want to sound a little bit deeper. I just want to see something a little bit more. um, I think I just wanted to see something that was a little bit more intimate, something that was a little bit more. Again, I don't want to say developed because it's a really nicely produced album, but I just thought thematically there was nothing there to really latch onto. But they are all great beats. That's the thing. They're all really, really good beats. So if that's the only criteria for success and it's done it really nicely, they're great.
0: One thing I think, this song could have done even better and it is a small gripe is there's a vocal sample that comes in that says something like the music's getting faster and then it goes into kind of a, a slower section or like a less hype section i feel like in the second drop have that as kind of the the pause and then go into an even bigger section afterwards that could have been a Like, raise the stakes even higher on this already incredibly euphoric track. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I'm with you
2: there. Yeah, this 100% was one of my favorites on the album. It has this, like, this really firm bass that drives the song along. Um, But the synth works really well alongside that. And I think. It's one of those songs in the album that has it has those peaks those peaks and troughs that you want like a lot of a lot of the songs do have that, but I feel like this track really does that, and it really kind of takes you on a journey and yeah it you can just listen to it over and over again.
0: Next up we get cami like I do um I like the sample here. I think it's it's a strong one. And I I really like the kind of overall sound of the track. It's very kind of over mono garagey techno sound to it. It's got that kind of Reese bass underpinning it. My only issue is just the placement on the album where it comes straight after Delilah. It feels quite low energy, but actually the moment you listen to it outside of that context, it's a really big club tune. So it it just kind of sits a bit awkwardly, but I think it's a really strong song and it it comes across really well if you listen to it in isolation.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. The way that it's mixed also uh, doesn't help with the placement. Like you said, Delilah's a really big track and this feels a little bit, I was going to say under compressed, but it feels a little flat compared to what came before. I think if it was a bit more punchy, if it was a little bit more Uh, what's the right word, if it was a little bit more forward I suppose then it would make sense but it's just a little bit too pristine it's a little bit too clean for my liking Um, but it's a good track inherently and it was nice, this was one of the tracks where I got throwback vibes, this feels like something I could have heard potentially 15 years ago or 10 years ago and that was quite
0: nice Um, yeah yeah, it's definitely playing into that kind of current crop of kind of rave nostalgia that's going on. Mm. Um, I think it does it it
2: quite well. Yeah, Kami feels a bit different. It's a smooth, very smooth transition from Delilah, but it does feel different. And um, yeah, it felt like it had a slightly darker tone to it, a darker sound to it, which I really loved. I loved the tune and the tone of the, like, the stabby rhythmic synth. It was, yeah, it was really good. Um, it also kind of reminded me of Club to Death. You know, that um, the Matrix film soundtrack thing. Um, but, yeah, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh,
0: next up, we get Berwyn. All that I got is you. I think this this is kind of what you needed after Delilah if you're going to go on to something else where it's a bit of downtime to kind of reset your ears and let you kind of feel like the rest of the album's a bit bigger in comparison. Um the samples like build really nicely on this kind of reliance theme that runs through the album. You've got kind of Delilah with the vocal sample saying pull me out of this. Um and this one kind of Talking about, and I think with the kind of more spoken word stuff, he's talking about friends, but also kind of special people in his life that he's kind of clinging to and helping him through difficult times. And that that's kind of an emotional through point that I found quite um, motivating throughout the album, I guess. This was
1: a highlight for me personally. This was a really nice track. Again, having a little bit more of a vocal line to latch on to, having a few more words to uh, analyse, I think, really lifted it. And it gave that hook. All uh, all, I got is you a lot more punch. Um, what was it? I love you more than all cigarettes that I've smoked. I love you more than all the empty bottles in my room, or whatever the line was. It was firstly a line that made me think, like, are you okay, mate? So it's quite serious stuff. And that's also part of the reason that I liked it. There was a little more here. And there was something to get invested in in my mind. And again, I like the fact that it gave the hook a bit more weight. It's kind of made me think about the structure of songs and again why songs with verse and choruses tend to work. It's because it gives you something to latch onto. But yeah, this this was a standout for me. Nice quiet moment, intimate the instruments didn't get in the way of the vocals and the vocals didn't get in the way of the instruments. Everything could shine here. This was really
2: nice. Yeah, it was nice to have this kind of break towards a more quiet quiet track and this like, emotional piano. Really good. Um, I don't agree with that annoying the uh, neighbours uh, line. Don't annoy your neighbours for no reason. Um, but I did love how... The lyrics were quite blunt they were confessing some they were confessing love by confessing things that they've been doing and their bad habits and I like how well I find it funny how it it's like it sounds like it's going to turn into a new song halfway through or the the song has changed halfway through but then it turns into like a spoken word poetry thing I thought that was all right. I liked the change and yeah, it was good. The next two tracks,
0: Blue, Better With Time and Nathan, Still Breathing, are both solid, but I felt like didn't really bring anything super new or really exciting for me. You get kind of an R&B vocal in Better With Time. I I quite like that. And I'm pretty sure it's Fred's voice coming through on that track where he has kind of the Kind of Bonivari style vocals, and I really liked that coming through because it felt a bit more like it was him coming through directly. I think that could have been something that this album had more of. Actually, was his voice kind of giving you? And I think this is maybe where we agree: you were giving you a bit more of a fleshed-out vocal part, explaining maybe in a bit more detail where he's at or what emotion he's trying to get across.
1: Yeah, I'm with you that these two are kind of just a little bit nothingy, they're kind of just about they kind of 6 minutes of album time and not much more. I like Nathan for the uh falsetto male vocal, that was a really nice texture. Mm-hmm. Um Blue even though it was R&B just felt a little underwhelming. Just wasn't interesting at all. Nathan also gave me vibes of uh, disclosure, actually, uh, which was a bit of a feedback I didn't quite expect. But again, it's one of those moments where I kind of, in my vague understanding of EDM, I could latch onto it and go, oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. It, it, they're just kind of nothingy tracks. And the contrast between these two and Berwyn was really interesting to see. Because again, having a little bit extra to latch onto actually
0: really turned the song around for me. I'm not sure I'd say they're nothing he tracks. I think I mean Nathan's got kind of some nice bass distortion in there and it's got that strained voice and it I think both of them are well written. I think it's just that they feel like stuff I've heard from his previous stuff rather than doing anything drastically different.
1: Yeah. That's a dangerous um, album. It's just it it could be It's not that it is mediocre in itself, it's the fact that it is so uh, similar in quality, I suspect, probably what he's done before. Does it have any sort of, not selling point, you don't need to sell it, but is there any reason to listen to this over anything else? I think it's probably one of the worst things you can do do as an artist if your songs aren't specific, if they aren't individual, and if they can't carry their weight by
2: themselves,
1: uh, or if they can be interchanged with your other songs.
2: I felt like Blue kind of matched the energy of Berwyn with that more soulful singing. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, Nathan, I didn't really have much notes on. Um, I loved the silence into the drop when that happened. But otherwise, yeah, it was just a decent song.
0: The next track, Danielle, Smile On My Face, is again, I think one of the stronger tracks on the album, I think close up there to Delilah. Um, it repurposes 070 Shake's vocal really well. Um, I think, I mean, the original track was really good and it kind of, this one repurposes it to kind of make it this kind of driving dance pop anthem. And it, the kind of focus in on that lyric smile on my face is really good because, in I mean, in the original track, it's kind of like this passing lyric in the kind of i guess what you'd call the chorus but here it's made this center point and it works really well um i've kind of gone back and forth about how kind of literally he's kind of taken the whole vocal from that song but i think overall i'm i'm happy with it because he has kind of pushed in this new context and it it does work there and if you kind of put to the side that it's a sample i think listening to the album it comes across really strongly and the other thing I'd say is the bass line in this song is really good, like the kind of bouncy, fast notes with the pitch bends going up and down. It it sounds great too.
1: Yeah, again, the, the core strength of this album is the energy that it brings in tracks like this. Again, this matches up in my mind with Delilah earlier just being... Uh, d- just a proper dance track. It's got this really, really nice balance. And like you said, the bass line works. And the the drum samples are also something that stood out to me as well. They're not overdone. They're not uh, falling into maybe, I don't know, grime or um, rap cliches. They've got their own own real nice warmth to them. Uh, They don't feel digital. They don't feel jagged as... Um, drum machines can do. It's really nice. And again, the the, the other thing that I highlights was just the fact there's a little bit more
0: going on in vocal sample. It was something that I think really lifted it. Again. Next up, we get Kelly. End of a nightmare. Um, great sample choice on this one. Really like the the kind of vocal snippets he pulled out and the way he used them. I think the kind of vocal samples blend with the synths really nicely in a cool way to form a melody once once the track gets going. Um, but I feel like this one could have been another one of these big euphoric moments to come through. I think the the melody was really strong. It felt like it could have built there. But instead, it, it never really hit that point. I, and there's lots to like about this track. I, I mean, at the end, it completely switches up and kind of has this more... Um, more hopeful feel to it which i thought was a really cool way to end it out but i just wanted it to be one of those bigger tracks again i think just because we've kind of had so few of them up to this point really on the album and i felt like this was one of the stronger themes that could have gone that way
1: i wonder what would happen if you paired this up with um cammy as well because it's just dawned on me the drum topples are really really similar on these two they both got that sort of uh classic rave kit going on behind them the other thing that's happening here which again i appreciate uh is the um, spoken word intro uh and, uh, and start of track can i can i see you i miss you and i thought okay cool where are we going and then it kind of reverted to type of being a again another bits with the album, but again, I kind of saw an opportunity for a left turn here, given that we are now at track 9, I wonder where it's going to go. Again, it's good, but it's just nothing remarkable, I'm afraid. It's just kind of
2: there. I agree that this song had some potential, potential that it didn't really live up to. Um, I thought it was interesting, but not memorable. I do like, really like the tones of The Sims. And and then this uh the the bass drum simp thing right at the end was really intense and really cool. It's just like yeah, it got really intense and then it just the song stopped. It was just a little thing like that that just ended the song really well, but it made me want more.
0: The next track's Mustafa, Time to Move On. Um I like the kind of delayed piano lines. I thought that was a, a nice sound to it, and it wasn't You know, sometimes you hear a piano and it's very overtly, there are these big kind of ping pong delays or whatever. I thought it was blended in really nicely, so the two kind of felt the same, if that makes sense, rather than being, here's the main sound and here's the delay happening somewhere else. But I did feel, again, with this track, I was waiting for that bigger moment to come, but it kind of doesn't. And one really kind of weird choice, I think, is he brings back the vocal from uh Angie I've Been Lost, which was the closing track on his first actual life album. and It kind of doesn't do anything. And that that track's kind of I mean, for me this really kind of important song in his discography, like I mean it's a big moment when he plays that song live and it, it's kind of a big moment on the first album and it, it's almost just kind of thrown in here without giving it new context or breathing new life into the sample. And, and that just felt a bit disappointing for me.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. I like the fact that this was softer and it was lighter. Uh, I like the fact that this, again, it's a slightly d- different temperament. This felt like the right time to add that in as a new texture, as a new flavour. I didn't know that about the fact that this sample has been reused from another album. Um and again it just kind of feeds into what i've been concerned about with this album it's just been kind of thrown in there with nothing new to develop or no sort of point to make apart from just refraining something that he liked i don't see a lot of artistic intent here and maybe that's just me again being a little bit grumpy and highfalutin but i just it's at this point i start to reflect on the album and what it's Shown me, and I kind of just look at the album, which is just some random picture with a blue filter on it. It's, what is he even in the back of a taxi or something? Um, I see the way it's been put together is just a sort of load of beats put together over a stretch of time, and I kind of go, it's not saying anything to me. But again, I did like Clara. It was an it was a nice it was a nice quiet moment. It was a nice um, moment of reflection. But again, I kind of wondered why
2: I would come back and I couldn't think of a good answer. I did like this track. I really enjoyed the piano and then the crescendo into the bigger synth bits. Really nice tone. Yeah, just really well done. Um, But it did more feel like a stepping stone to Clara, um, which I like more. Um, But yeah, I don't think it was too bad.
0: Let's get on to Clara, The Night is Dark. Um, I really like the kind of the old school sound to it. It's got this kind of like old school house kick. It re- That kick really thumps. And, and the whole kind of sound of the song is very 80s dance, like something Donna Summer would have put out or Giorgio Moroder would have produced, right?
1: I thought Um, share for some reason as well. I don't know. Yeah,
0: that kind of era of stuff, right? It's got that feel to it, I guess. Mm. But I just I didn't think that the kind of the motifs were as strong as other tracks. I think it's a direction he could have gone in and been successful. But for whatever reason, the melodies just didn't really catch my ear or make it hugely memorable for me.
1: Yeah, the. There were little stabs of piano in the background, which felt like a really classic throwback again, like we were saying, sort of like late 80s, 90s period. The vocal was interesting because it's kind of this low female or sort of deep male vocal. It's kind of difficult to tell what gender it is, which again, is an interesting sort of choice having this sort of gender bend vocal. I quite liked it, actually. This This was a... Another little favourite of mine. And I also agree with you. Why wasn't there a little bit more of this on here? This is probably one of the best atmospheres on this album. I think it's one of the best moods, and it's one of the best feelings that I got from this album. And it's kind of just buried at the end. And I kind of wonder why. Similar to... Um, Kyler Ray Jepsen last week, just shooting Star, have a sudden, out of nowhere, future funk moment, and I went, wicked! Where was this hiding?
0: Yeah, albums are... Artists are big into doing these disco moments towards the end of albums at the moment, I guess. It's just a thing.
1: Apparently so.
2: It's just like, don't hide them. Let's, let's bring them front and centre. I like this. Yeah, I really like the soulful nature of the singing in this one. Um... And I like the drive that it had. Um, it it felt like it felt like a dance track, but it also felt something you can chill and sit down to, which it had like a yeah. I really enjoyed that duality to sort of the track. It could work in any occasion. So yeah, this one one of my favourites, I think. Then we get onto the final
0: track, Winnie, End of Me, which at first I wasn't super hot on. I think the other two actual life albums have re- like immediately really strong clothes in Angie, I've Been Lost, which two tracks ago, he's just reminded you of. um, And in Molly, Hear My Name on, on the last record, which is this incredibly kind of personal, deep, emotional moment. Um, And this one's quite, quite ambient feeling, and it kind of just kind of passes by on first listen. I think there is some some nice depth to this song. It almost feels like kind of a one of those airy M eighty three tracks where mm. it's kind of got this. It's got that um, you know the kind of music they you only hear before a movie starts, where it's like in the Odeon adverts or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's got that that feel to it a bit. Um, and I quite like it. It there's a lot going on kind of under the surface in terms of the synths coming in and going away. But it just doesn't have that that same kind of anthemic close to an album the same way that the previous two have with Angie on the first one and Billy followed by Molly on the second but i i'm kind of okay with him trying something different here and i think it it generally works even though i wasn't hugely sold on first lesson
1: i mean thinking about it this way i kind of I'd probably rejig the tracks mentally to say that Clara is your big close and in Winnie sort of a epilogue, a sort of not a hidden track, but it's this sort of off-piece ending. And I love it when albums do this. This is something that I can commend this on. I love the fact that this is just sort of soft and meandering and a bit out there as though it's kind of spent all of its energy early on. This is great. This is a really, really nice way to end the album. And I thought this was a really refreshing ending. And there is also, of course, the very end of September 9th, which kind of didn't do anything at all, apart from, as far as I can hear, end the tape, pretty much. I really liked it. I really liked Winnie. It was really warm. I wondered if you made this track a little bit more brilliant, whether you had a little bit more shimmer, and there was a lot more high-end in there rather than just the... Uh, really low, mid heavy texture it's got now, whether that would have lifted it even more but yeah this was really nice, I really liked this for the first time in a while, I've liked the way that an album has ended this is
0: really nice I bet not many people have that on their unmuted master bingo
2: I know <laughs> I, yeah, me liking it Um, I I enjoyed it it wasn't my favourite I, I really liked the vocal effects Um but I didn't quite like how much the that vocal line repeated. It's got a bit too samey to me, but yeah, it was a decent ending and it wasn't it wasn't the worst track on the album.
0: Right. Let's ask the all important question. Should our listeners check this album out, James?
2: I wanna say check this album out. I say check all three of them out. I think that would work quite well.
1: Tom? I'd say listen to the Boiler Room Room session. You don't need to listen to this album. Listen to how it makes a crowd feel.
0: Yeah, I'd kind of agree with going with the Boiler Room and then pick out your favourite parts. Delilah's in there, Danielle's in there. He's got lots of his other big tracks from other albums, other unreleased stuff. And then kind of, dip into these three albums and pick out the bits that you like i think for me it's very much of the three kind of picking and choosing my favorite bits and putting together one long project that i really identify with and and really appreciate is kind of the way i'll go with this longer term right let's get into reviewing it as always for listeners our rankings are down in the, the description because they're getting uh, now way too long for me to possibly read them (laughs) all out. I think this is going to be a difficult one for me to rank, because I think the high points on this are some of the best of any album on this list, and then the album as a whole is maybe not living up to those, so I'm not quite sure where I want to put it.
1: No, I've got to review this as an album, and I'm afraid I'm looking way down the list for this. Way, way down. Ugh, even burial had a point to being an album i'm afraid i'm really looking low for this not because inherently they're bad tracks but because there's an album it just doesn't work in my mind
2: mm, for me like everything everything is that that hurdle um where if you experiment enough then you'll get past it but i don't think this experiment is enough i think it um nowhere near yeah it's it it's a good album um and like i i am looking at these these um the last 10 albums on this list and i do prefer this album to those um but i'm not sure if i would say it's better than hot chip maybe around there
0: i don't know i could put this anywhere from just below everything everything down to maybe just below Totally Enormous Extinct Dinosaurs. So that's a 10-place range, but yeah, it's tricky. I, I mean, there there are so, like, really great moments. Delilah's great. I love kind of the kind of modern retro rave of like I do. I think Danielle's a great reinterpretation of that that vocal line.
1: Yeah, I just wonder whether they would... I don't think they work in this environment of being an album. I'm reviewing this as an album and I've got no reason to come back and listen to this again. So by that measure, it's below an awful lot of these. I'd have to kick off at... Oh, where would I kick off? I'd have to kick off number 40. I honestly prefer Burial to this. I prefer Anti-Dawn
0: i put it at number 40 james where would you put it um 31 just below hot chip yeah you know what i'm going to agree with you james and put it in at number 31 between hot chip and carly Ray Jepson. right that's it for our review now on to upcoming releases um It's a bit of a weird time in the year where I think releases are starting to slow down and it's going to be more and more difficult as the weeks go on to find find things to put in this segment. But I've got some good releases for you this week. Honey Dijon is releasing a new album called Black Girl Magic. I've listened to some of the singles. They seem like fun club music. So if you're into the album for this week, maybe check that one out. It's got maybe more of a house feel to it. Baltra is releasing an album called Where I End. Which, if you're looking for some electronic music that's maybe a bit more uh housey, but in kind of a more modern sound, that might be one to check out. Brockhampton are releasing their new album, The Family, this week, which I'm interested to hear because I've been a bit mixed on their albums post-saturation. So I'll be interested to see what this one's like. Sunder Ark which is an artist I hadn't heard, heard of before I found this album to talk about, uh, is releasing an album called Nightlands. And if you're looking for may- maybe more of an experimental electronic album to listen to after this one, that might be one to check out. And finally, uh, Eurovision star Sam Ryder is releasing an album this week called There's Nothing But Space, Man. Um, so for our Eurovision-enjoying fans out there, you've got that one to listen to. That's it for upcoming release, and that's it for the show. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more from us throughout the week, you can follow us on Twitter at Unmuted Weekly or on Instagram, although we're almost certainly not going to post on there at at this point, at Unmuted Unmastered. You can drop us an email and we'll try and respond at Unmastered at gmail.com. And generally, if you like the show, just subscribe and, and turn on notifications so you find out when new episodes are out. They come out every Monday. Normally up by half eight in the morning, so you've got something to listen to on your commute on the way to work or home, potentially, depending on when you commute. I can now announce that the album for next week is Human Futures by Dear Nora.